Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast, where we help you with time-saving tips and strategies. We also hope to cultivate a greater appreciation for our most precious resource, and that's time. I'm your host, Jacques. Today, we're going to do a little bit uh, different of a structure. I have a guest, Vung Nguyen. But before we get started, I do want to say that today is technically National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. So that's May 15th. So if you didn't know that, you know, of course, one of the ways that you can celebrate is to make yourself some chocolate chip cookies. Now, I did find that, you know, the typical recipe uh, for chocolate chip cookies takes about 10 minutes. Vung, do you know any good recipes for chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, it, it's it's funny that you brought up chocolate chip cookies. I love cookies. I learned recently that if you add more fat to the cookie, it actually puffs up a little bit. There's a uh, oh. bakery in New York City called Levain, and they're known for these super thick cookies, almost the size of like a hamburger. Nice. That sounds like a great cookie. You know, so... One, one thing I will share, I did look this up. You know, my, my wife makes great cookies, but I have to wait 10 minutes. That's a typical time it takes. So, of course, in line with the theme of our podcast, I was trying to see, like, is there a faster way to make cookies? Maybe not to make good cookies. Just eat the cookie dough, Jacques. <laughs> eat the cookie dough. That's actually <laughs> the fastest. But I found a recipe that you can get it down to one minute in the microwave. Cookies are basically everything that's unhealthy about the universe. Is That's what a cookie is, right? So it's like sugar, flour, butter, milk, salt, chocolate, vanilla. But whatever recipe, I think you could probably adjust it. Basically, you can put it, you can put it on a plate or in a mug or something like that. And you put it in the microwave. And apparently if you do like 30 seconds and then 20 seconds and then 10 seconds. So I guess you do it in intervals and let it rest a, a little bit. About a minute later, you have a cookie. So fastest way to make a cookie, you heard it on our show. I can't guarantee it will be a good cookie or very satisfying, but it will be fast. <laughs> it's a cookie nonetheless. That's a cookie. So um, Not to be confused with the website cookies. Yeah, those are, those are not allowed anymore, apparently. <laughs> so I am so excited for my guest today, Vung Nguyen. We're actually college buddies, you know, best buddies, I I would describe us. Vung is currently in New York, recently moved from California. He's a former startup founder, very successful companies. He also is currently working at Bloomberg and has worked at other big name companies like Toshiba and Sega. And, you know, throughout all this time, he's, I'm always, you know, living vicariously through Vung on social media and seeing all the places that he travels and all the things that he does with friends. So he's just a really fun and interesting guy to be around. I'm so excited to to have you on our show, Vung. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Really excited to be on here. So first I got to ask, just because you're much more of an expert than I am, I, and I like to start the show with a little short tip before we get into the main topic. But since you have traveled so much, I feel like you probably have some tips about, you know, maybe packing or getting to the airport or planning or something that would help save our audience time. I'd love to hear, you know, one or two or however many you want to share. There's some There's- tips that, that you can share. Yeah, there's quite a few tips. I guess one that's on top of my mind, and maybe it's general knowledge, maybe it's not. But like, if you're booking a trip on an aggregator like Google Flights, you have the capability of looking at a kind of like this calendar flowchart 
So that way you can see which rates are cheaper. So I highly recommend that. Signing up for global entry helps you skip the line for international flights when you return back to the States. And then... Okay, so just item. getting TSA pre-check, which if, if the audience doesn't know, that's one way you can save on like the security, but that doesn't work for the for international... flights on your return back. Okay, However, I didn't if know you that. get yeah, if you get global entry, it it includes TSA pre-check, so you get uh, okay like two for the price of one. Got it. So if we're expecting to do any international travel, we should do we should do global, and that will cover the TSA. Pre-check. Yeah, cool. This there are two different services. Global entry essentially is when you return back to the USA from another country. There's this I forgot the name of the line, but the, the there's a line when you return back. Global entry lets you bypass that line. And oh, the um, shorten it. customs. Customs line, yeah, yeah correct. Uh, and then because it includes CSA pre-check for any domestic or international flights, you can skip the security line. Not skip it, but go to a shorter line just because they verified you a little bit more. Awesome. I've heard of like a go bag where, you know, if they just want to take a really quick trip um, somewhere, they just have a bag that's got everything that they need for like overnight. Is that yeah, something kind of like an emergency? I feel like you have one of those. <laughs> I I do not, but I do have fireproof bags to protect like our passports or oh okay uh, important documents, including hard drives with that contain backups of all my files. That's important. So that's another tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need those heavy fireproof safes anymore. They have fireproof bags. Okay. I didn't know that. That, I guess that certainly makes things more portable. You know, I think it would be great for the audience to maybe just hear a little bit more about how you spend your free time. So, you know, went over, you know, some of your work history and, you know, where you currently live, but how do you like to spend your free time? Do you have free time? Outside of work, I have quite a bit of free time. I like to schedule my day-to-day activities on a time-based, an hourly time-based sheet. So nine to five is normal work. Before that, I would have like brush teeth, work out, exercise, which is also working out. (laughs) After work, it would be working on some sort of monthly skill set or some kind of activity, cooking, and then either relaxing or catching up on some kind of article or project of some sort. How do you how do you think about the pandemic and how that's affected? your free time. Have you gained any free time and have you intentionally used it in in a different way? Or do you find that, you know, work and things are fill up any sort of commute savings there? Yeah. I joke around that, you know, before the pandemic, I always wanted the workplace to be full remote. And I I think I might've wished it too much. (laughs) So like everyone ended up going remote, but with the pandemic, depending on like what your occupation was, or if you got furloughed or you kept on working, I felt like I got more time or at least more time to reorganize myself and figure out what the higher priorities are. So learning to work out at home was a big one instead of relying on the gym, just scheduling your time. Like it's easy to just relax and you know stay up until like past midnight and then wake up really late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just trying to keep on track was an important thing. What time do you, do you get up? I usually seven o'clock. And do you start your morning routine right away or do you have like a warm up yeah. period? Yeah, right away. I don't have any alarm clock. So I just wake up 
You just wake up at seven. Yeah. Your body. Uh, I think it's just something to do with the sun or the sunlight. Nice. Um, even if I stay up late, sometimes I always wake up at seven. But yeah, I just brush my teeth, drink a cup of water, start a workout. That usually lasts about an hour. And then I have a protein shake, maybe check email, have breakfast, and then start work. During that time, I used to start a little bit on some kind of startup idea. Currently, I'm not working on anything, but that's what I used to do back then. Do you think that's something that you'll go back to? It depends. <laughs> uh, I'm... I, I never want to start a business just because I want to start it or because of money. I'm trying to solve some sort of problem. And right now I don't see too many problems or I'm not observing too much. Yeah. I think I'm more focused on my own self-improvement right now. So it's a little bit hard to say, but I would say if I find a, like a problem that I'm passionate about, I probably would be working on it in the morning and after work. Now, some of your, actually, I would say, both of your startups, which were, I, I felt like they, they grew really fast and had a lot of success, but you were able to do that. I think when you were doing something else full time, you know, either whether that was going to school or, you know, another day job, if you will, how did you do that? Like how, how is it possible to cram all that activity in and still be like good at it? Cause a lot of people yeah. have startup ideas and they say, Oh, I'm going to, I want to do this. And then you ask them a year later and they haven't done anything. I feel like with, you know, whenever I ever talked to you, it was like, you just did it and you made it happen. Uh, and I always, you know, found that uh, fascinating that you were able to strike that balance, but also in a way that the, they had traction, like they, you were making sales, they were growing. Like, how did you do that and still have a normal full-time thing that, that people would expect you to have, but they wouldn't expect you to have this whole other business operations yeah. on the side yeah yeah so during college uh one of the startups was an e-commerce clothing store called twin armada that business idea came on the fact that after college i didn't know if i wanted to go for an mba but i know i knew that i wanted to start some kind of business and at this time this was before e-commerce was super popular i didn't even know how to code in php or css i only knew basic html from like MySpace. The way that I got time was, you know, I would just make sure that I focused on studies. But after after studying, instead of playing Counter Strike or StarCraft, I would just take those one or two hours and just tackle little tasks. Self taught myself PHP, SQL, and then slowly built out the site and then launched it. We were really lucky because it wasn't really high margin, not high margin, but uh, it didn't require a lot of overhead. The source of our products came from wholesale or third-party retailers that, that wanted to st sell their stuff online. So I was lucky with that. Yeah. Did you have to ship out the orders yourself? Yeah, we did. And I learned like a lot of different things about fulfillment, especially time-saving on fulfillment. So USPS, for example, provides free boxes to ship out. So we utilized that. Hooking into the USPS API along with the FedEx and UPS APIs. I don't know if they called them APIs back then, but hooking into those to get the rate. So it was completely automated. When a customer checked out a product, it would give them the actual rate and then the it would yeah. process the charge. How, you know, so I want to unpack that a little bit because that still seems 
a, a little bit superhuman to me, you know, the one or two hours, you know, I could see someone squeezing in. And so that's probably an important key takeaway, right? That it sounds like you did this as a daily practice. You didn't, you know, wait specific days to, to work on it. Like whatever free time you had that day, you obviously, you know, you contributed that toward the business, but still, you know, if you're shipping out products, that's very manual work. So it doesn't seem like one or two hours is sufficient to, you know, build the site with all the products and then also do all that fulfillment. Yeah. When it came down to it, you, you just have to map out your day going back to that whole, not so much a spreadsheet, but listing out hour by hour. What do you do during that time? If I recall, we did fulfillment in the morning from uh, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So about one to three hours. What we would do is we would look at the orders of the day or the week, print out the packing slips, pick mm -hmm. the orders, pack them up, print out the shipping labels, apply the shipping labels, and then USPS would pick it, pick it up. When I say we, it was uh, me and my brother. That's how we're doing it. Your twin brother for, for the yes. audience. Didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> it, I'll be honest. It took me a few years to figure out <laughs> without, you know, by sight. <laughs> yeah. I joke around that uh, the way to tell us apart is that the girls say that I'm cuter. That's okay. Funny. Yeah. I can but see he, that. He's actually way more attractive. Than <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes yeah. down to it, like you set up these big goals, but you like big shots or little shots that kept on shooting. So like you just have to, you have to accomplish the little goals first and then you'll eventually see the bigger goal. Everything was before, like fulfillment was before work. And sometimes we would do it weekly. We wouldn't do it every day because sometimes I would have classes in the morning, ah, Tuesday, okay. Thursday. But I believe it was, we were doing like a hundred per, per each time that we were printing out the packing slips and mm -hmm. the labels. So about a hundred per person on average. A hundred uh, per person. Okay. We created like a, like an inventory shelving unit to help identify the SKUs of each product. So that also helped us save time on fulfillment. Like we would know that it's product A2 or D7. And it, it was based on like a column grid system. So that's like less than one minute per package then uh, yeah like you would batch it you would print out all the the packing slips you would mm -hmm. take those like a team member would take the packing slip and figure out which SKUs to add in they add it into the box seal the box and then with with the packing slip and then apply the shipping label which was also batch printed as well so it's like okay today we're going to fulfill 102 orders and you know like it's just like boom that's amazing. That's amazing. And you were in college when you figured this out. So yeah, um, sure. I, it's impressive <laughs> to me now. And you did that again, I, I, if I recall. Yeah. So after Tornamada, I ended up moving to California, worked for Toshiba. During the last part of Toshiba, I was working remote and I got a job at Sega. But during that transition phase, I my grandmother ended up passing away and you know, I watched her eat her last meal. So I was currently in the process of figuring out like, now, the hospital food, it's good, but it could be done better. It could be like, there has to be some other way. People always have to eat. So what would be a good business model that would apply all of my skills, including e-commerce, and then help tackle this problem of, you know, getting my grandmother something that 
she would enjoy eating, not just hospital food. Uh, and this idea ended up turning into a business called the Meal Prep, which is a meal delivery service where we have professional chefs who cook meals. We prepare it. It's easy to eat. You can eat each meal with one hand. And then we would deliver it straight to your door. It's a, it's a beautiful beginning to that story as well. You know, what a great uh, reason to, you know, start something and you know, honor the, me- honor the memory, but also solve, you know, a problem that, you know, other, others in the world have. So that's really cool. Yeah. It really drove to the passion of it. The motto ended up being we cook, so you don't have to. No, that's good. Yeah. That and this was before a lot of the popular meal delivery services or even I was gonna say, meal Uber, kit. Did Uber Eats exist before that time? It did not. not so you that time. invented Uber Eats is what you're saying. No. <laughs> Uber Eats is more of a restaurant delivery service. True. Meal prep was more of a prepared meal. So the, like, if it kept running, the, the competition would have been very fierce because you would be competing against these restaurants who are delivering through these third-party apps. But we've gotten a lot of good feedback. We had like you would think that the audience member would be like these gym goers, frequent gym goers, but it's actually stay home moms and busy office workers, people who don't right. ta- have time to cook and they, they want to eat a little bit healthier. They That's don't a want- good point. So, you know, what, like, how much time do you think that you were saving people? Do they have to heat those meals up? Yeah, the, the meals take two minutes to, to heat up. But yeah, we saved a lot of time. Think about it. You have to go to the grocery store, figure out what you're going to cook. You got to cook it. You got to eat it. And then you have to wash the dishes. There's probably more to it than that, but the that was the main core of the business to help people save time by providing decent meals. We even, on the labels, we even had like the actual nutritional facts, like the main macros, which was proteins, carbs, and fats, uh, and calories, of course. And then the ingredients. And it was just, all you had to do was take the meal out of the fridge, peel a little corner, microwave it for two minutes, and then eat it. And everything was cut up properly so that way you didn't have to use two hands. You didn't have to use a fork and a knife, for instance. you could only, All you had to do was use a fork to eat it. And it was pre-portioned for you. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like I, I would totally buy that right now if I had that service in my local area. I don't think I've seen anything like that in Uber Eats. I'm curious... You know, especially the, the time-saving component, eating healthy while also saving time. I wonder why that that hasn't really uh, picked up right now. When I think everyone's pretty much ordering food from home. I don't know if you yeah, have any a, thoughts about that. It's a hard business model. Anything restaurant-related is super hard. I enjoyed it because of the technical aspect. Like it could be turned into a subscription business. It could be. It's totally e-commerce. Like. I remember when I first started, people gave me a weird eye. They're like, <laughs> you're going to ask people to order food online? That's not going to work. So like, I ended up showing them that it did work. I think we got somewhere near half a million in, in total sales. I'm still going to say you, you thought of, of the idea of ordering food online and delivering to people. <laughs> yeah. I do look at some websites from time to time, and I feel like this looks very similar to what we built. <laughs> Like the, when you checked out, like you could select the day that you received the meals. Usually it was a, like a weekly order. So if you look at Instacart today, like you'll see something very similar. Like there's a calendar on checkout to, to ask you when you want to receive it. Most of the time customers wanted the ASAP, but other services like Blue Apron or 
or Green Chef, they would ask you in weekly increments on when you want to receive the order. So, so tell us a little bit, you know, obviously time is a, a theme of this podcast. That's a lot of meals, I assume, that had to be cooked and delivered. How did you manage that? You were paying, I assume, the chefs by the hour or something yeah, like that. And- in the beginning, we operated in a commercial kitchen, which operated by time. It wasn't a fixed rate, like rent. So so you had to know, like, we can produce this many units or we're not going to be profitable in, in a certain amount of time. Uh, in the beginning, we were paying the kitchen by the hour, but we had to reserve based on hours. So we had to estimate. I would know how many orders that we need to cook for the week. It was like how the business model worked. So you would have a cutoff time on when you receive all orders that you need to cook for next week, for instance. So like, just to keep it simple, let's say I have all the orders by the end of Friday. We cook on Saturday and Sunday or just Saturday. We know how many uh, that needs to be cooked and packaged. And then we ship it out on, we deliver on Monday. So to calculate that, we, we, I don't remember the math, but the, I think it was like, 100, maybe 100 meals per hour. 100 meals maybe, per hour. It might have been more, but that was just like cooking, packaging. I don't, I, can, I, I don't know if I can do one meal in an hour, so I don't know how you guys did 100. The beauty of it is that we, we batch cook it. So like, you know, it's just like all the meals aren't customized. We Originally, we had like that Chipotle model where you can like customize the meal, but it ended up being like, no, this is not going to be like scalable. We need to do fixed meals and then we just need to know how many of this like meal one do we need to make? How many of meal two do we need to make? Limiting the the customer's options. The customers always wanted more options, but this would affect fulfillment time. So to to have the best of both worlds, that's what we ended up doing. Yeah, I do the same to my kids. I'm like, look, I'm cooking this meal one way because I cannot cook a separate meal for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, we that, did have we did have kid meals in, the, okay. in Good the beginning to too. Good to know. Yeah. You know, I'd love to talk about even what you're you're doing now. I know you've since taken a lot of those skills that you've learned through the startups and and through the technology and, and software uh, development, and you're applying that now to products. So tell me about you know what you do at uh, Bloomberg. Yeah. So just as a disclaimer, I'm currently working at Bloomberg. My opinions are my own. I started I started as a web developer at Toshiba and worked my way towards product management. And I think this is what attracted me to it. Product management is like gathering all of the different skills that I have and then putting it into a role. So it's not just web development. It's knowledge in marketing, knowledge in what the user needs are, like what's the problem statement, and then figuring out that. So at Bloomberg, I currently work in the financial products department. I don't know how to to word it but the what i do is we build products that help either the internal team or external potential customers do their job so like it's a little bit of e-commerce and it's a little bit of like contact form Mm. it's just making the user experience on requesting a bloomberg terminal easier and how do you measure success? Because I know for like an engineer, they might think of like how many tickets I can close or how much lines of code I can write. And there's a very discrete output. But I feel like as a 
you know, product probably seems a little bit more abstract as far as how you measure your productivity. So how do you, how do you see that? And it's not to say that we, we look, we work really closely with engineering. So we keep an eye on that churn rate on the JIRA tickets, but for measuring success, it really comes down to how many Bloomberg terminals did we sell? That's like the main metric, but we also look at traffic, how long someone stays on the site, how long it takes them to fill out a form, any bottlenecks, how do the paid marketing campaigns work? Or how did they, how did the customers find us like attribution? So how many, I don't know how you, if you do like tickets or epics or features or how you think of the end to end, you know, output or delivery, yeah. uh, what do you generally, how do you generally organize that? What kind of units do you use? After defining the problem statement and a little bit on the user persona, we build out a roadmap to figure out the major feature that we're building and the like kind of break down the steps on what that main goal is. It comes down to what I said earlier about Torn Armada. Like you have a big goal, but you have to break down that big goal into small little goals that you accomplish and then eventually you'll achieve it. I see. So you don't just say, we're going to change this button. That's a goal. You actually, you start with the end in mind and the roadmap is of one goal, but it's maybe iterative steps to get there. Is that right? Uh, each roadmap is like a product. You would have a goal for it, maybe increase usage or maybe launch a dark mode version. And then you would break down that goal into little goals to achieve it. And how long does each uh, little goal <laughs> take you guys? It depends on the little goal, but we estimate like maybe one to two sprints. One sprint is about two weeks, so about four weeks. Gotcha. Okay. But it really depends on like the scope of the of whatever the feature or, or whatever project we're working on. And uh, I know you said before, you know, you have a, a traditional nine to five schedule. If you were to break down your time, like how much time is is spent in meetings versus you know project work? Is there are there other sort of categories of time that you think about from a day to day perspective? Yeah, I've been complimented on how organized I am with the time. I actually created a spreadsheet with the hour base and then each day of the week. Uh, I so would time, say about 20... time blocking, essentially. No, because I can't block. I can block out my calendar, but I don't. Okay. Um, okay. I, I accept meetings if, if it's needed or emergencies. For instance, on Friday, we took out a few fires. But the, about 25% of my time is in meetings. The rest is either planning or actually doing like implementing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I, for those who don't know, I also have a, I have a day job and the mixes I'm, I'm in a bit more meetings, but yeah, the, the, yeah. the mix. I'm a bit more lucky. Cause I, I don't know if I'm at like a super high executive level where I'm in meetings all day, every day. No, that's good. You, you know, I don't think anyone loves a calendar filled with meetings. Now, are they all, are they ad hoc or do you know about these meetings like in advance? Most of them are known in advance or it's, it's scheduled out. Sometimes if it's a fire, then it's ad hoc. But Bloomberg is known very well for its good work-life balance. So I think, I think time management is good. It's even better if you're really organized, but it's not super stressful either. Is there any new time management techniques that you've tried out recently that worked or even didn't work for you? I'm just curious. You've, you've have you know, quite a range of 
experiences. Is there anything that you could share with the audience of as far as recent time management learnings or, or things that maybe you just have been yeah. super the, beneficial to you? The Pomodoro technique, the one that you introduced me to, right? The the 15, is it 15 minutes? And then uh, yeah, 15, minutes? 20 minutes. I think I, I do 10. <laughs> I tried it. It didn't work for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe like a longer version of it. So like hour increments. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not the same thing. The like, if I take a break, it would be after one hour of work, and so that break would be like an hour. Yeah, it would be like because there's a lot of time wasted when you keep switching between tasks. So I like to like kind of bull run one task, take a break, and then bull run the next task. For instance, when I was building Tornamada, like I would take maybe a break after working on a bug or an issue for two hours, like trying to learn like, okay, why do I need to add a credit card to check out? And just remember, like at the time, I didn't know anything about e-commerce, <laughs> but you know, fun times. Excellent. Is there, are there any, anything else that, you know, you'd like yeah, to share? Trying... It could be something from home. It doesn't necessarily have to be at work. Yeah. My, I feel like my cooking time is like optimal. Like for okay. instance, well, that's a that's a good thing to like know. the ba- uh, like a basic meal prep uh, meal would only take me maybe ten minutes to batch prep for a three day three day meal prep. So, so like in ten minutes, you could prep three days worth of meals. Yeah. So just to walk you through the process, what I would do is like boil a pot of water, start chopping up broccoli. Once I finish chopping up the broccoli and rinsing it, the water is boiling, so I add it there. I turn on a second stove and I start chopping or cooking chicken. And then at the same time, while all this is happening, rice is cooking, which takes 10 minutes total. I drain the broccoli. It's the blanching process. So I add ice or cold water. So then that's ready. And then by the time I finish blanching, the chicken is cooked on both sides. I chop it up, package it, and yeah, there you go. Three. I know, I know it was a really quick summary but no no that's great it sounds like as each thing is you just like the you multitask right and then as sort of as each thing goes you quickly you know if it's set to do its thing for a while you you jump to the next uh task so i can see that's a lot more efficient for Mm -hmm. sure that's really cool so it felt like to me that there was a period of time and it might have been during the meal prep it seemed like you were just doing everything like you were Traveling, can you share with like maybe the audience if, yeah. if you don't mind about all the places that you've been to? I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, just wanted to know also during the meal, I don't think I traveled as much. It was more before the meal prep. During the meal prep, I was working full time at Sega. Sometimes during lunch, I would take naps in the car. And this was California summer, so it was super hot. And then there were some other cases where we needed to do some emergency deliveries, and I would do it during lunch. And then go straight to work right after doing the delivery. And those were crazy times. I had lots of headaches, like literal headaches, lots mm. of stress. So it's, it wasn't the best optimal for time. But uh, before, before the meal prep, the, for like travel, you're asking about like more travel tips? Well, it doesn't have to be travel tips. And I think you were just, you know, from what I saw, you were able to go to a lot of different pl- places, but also still spend time with friends and you know, getting your work done. So I'm just, 
yeah, yeah. during this time, it was kind of like the Toshiba period with remote work. Like, this was before remote was more popular. So I just had this, I had this mentality that like, you have to live life. I think it also came down to it with like a hard breakup, if I recall. But I was doing like skill sets. I was going to, I was going to work, working out during lunch. And then after work, I would work out again. And then after that workout, I would go home, eat dinner, and then go to like a martial arts class for like four hours. On weekends, I would go rock climbing or scuba diving or hang gliding. And then on weekly, like maybe monthly or bi-monthly cases, I would travel some something that's on my bucket list. Like I created this skill set bucket list spreadsheet uh, of all these skills or places that I always wanted to do or go to. What were some of those um, places uh, that, that you went to? Yeah, I think I started out with Thailand, Vietnam, Korea. Philippines was a big one. I remember working remotely in Iceland. That's a nice place being, to work remote. Yeah, being in the Eastern time zone compared to your workplace, I think, I don't know which one's more advantageous, <laughs> but with that, like when I'm, when it's dinner time, it's essentially lunchtime at the workplace. So like you, I think you get more work done like in the morning before everyone gets to work, but vice versa. If you're the other way, like you get to sleep in a little bit more yeah. and then work, start work when it's lunchtime. That's amazing. That's a lot of life, you know, compressed into, you know, a short amount of time. I always feel like, and you know, and it's probably a good place to, to end here because, you know, one of the things I end my show with is, you know, life is just the accumulative, you know, decisions that, that you make and how you spend that time. That's what life is. And the, the fact that you were able to try some of all these new experiences. And if I recall, you were always bringing friends along with you and inviting people and, you know, traveling to these places that were on your bucket list, you were, you know, living, you know, your best life at that time. And I think it's just a great uh, example for those out there. Again, I live vicariously through you during a yeah. lot of that time. We, have, always we all have 24 hours in a day. <laughs> so it's just like, after my grandmother passed away, it just, it kind of just hit me that time is short and you can't like how much are you willing to take from a company to pay you for your time? Mm -hmm. uh, which one's more valuable? Yeah. Money is important, but you know, time is also maybe even more important or it is more important. That's, that's beautiful. I, I agree 100%. Thank you very much for, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was, I just love it. I'm just giving you a call as my friend and I happen to record it. It, it pretty much is uh, like our <laughs> typical calls. Minus some of the like quirky ideas that we brainstorm. Absolutely. Thank you again for coming on the show for the audience. Uh, I will put, uh, you know, some notes here in the show notes. If you, if there's any questions that you have for Voom, you can text them to our show at 407-214-4303. That's 407-214-4303. And of course, if uh, you want to get notifications of new episodes, please follow or subscribe on the platform that you're listening to. And remember that life is how you choose to spend your time. So please use it wisely. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sean. Bye-bye.